Philippians 4.13 is a, it's a well-known verse. People like to get it tatted on their body. They like to get stickers of it. and They love to post it on their Facebook. You know. They love to quote it. You can't do a backflip off the stage. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Okay. All right, brother. <laughs> if you got the faith. But a lot of times, you know, we take the scripture out of context. We take the scripture out of context and we, we lose the true meaning. Amen. Of course, we know this is Apostle Paul right into the church of Philippi. But uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Are we there? I want to speak briefly tonight. I just want to talk about it's okay to be where you're at. Amen? It's okay to be where you're at. In the middle of a trial, in the middle of a problem, in the middle of lack, in the middle of poverty, prosperity, because you know poverty has its own um, tests and temptations that come with it, as well as prosperity does too. Amen. Prosperity, uh, it has its own tests and, and temptations as well. You know, some of us in this room, if we had $10 million, we, we, wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't think twice about God. We wouldn't show up to church on Sunday, and we definitely wouldn't be in the home. Amen. We'd be off running the streets somewhere. Now, let's keep it real in this place. Amen. If we can't be real in this place, where can't we be real? If we can't be transparent in this place, where can we be transparent? Amen. But it's okay to be right where you're at. I don't know what you're going through. You know, I know I'm a pastor, so I know where some of you are at in life. And I know what some of you are going through. But I don't know where everybody in this room, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're going through something. I don't know if you're in a trial. I don't know if you're in a storm, if you're in a circumstance. But I'm here to tell you tonight, it's okay to be where you're at. Amen. It's okay to be where you're at. In Philippians chapter 4, and starting verse 10, and the Word of God reads like this. It says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Come on now. We want to rejoice in everything else. But the Apostle Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord. I didn't rejoice in my paycheck. I didn't rejoice in my marriage. I didn't rejoice in my, my car. I didn't rejoice in my career, my occupation, my position. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord. Amen. That now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. In verse 11, not that I speak from want. I'm not speaking about this because I want. I'm not speaking from want. But I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am in. Amen? There's a good little nugget right here. Whatever this man did, whatever he had, whatever he was at, that's where we want to be. Because he says, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In every, in any circumstance, I have learned the secret. Somebody say the secret. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And then he finishes it right here. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things. I can be with and I can be without. I can be suffering and I can be rejoicing. 
I can be up and I can be down. I can be high and I can be low. I can be on the mountaintop or I can be in the bottom of the lowest valley. Wherever I'm at, I've learned the secret to being filled with contentment. So how was this man content in each and every circumstance? How? Because he was connected to God. He spent time in the presence of the Lord. I'm here to tell you tonight, it don't matter what you don't have if you get in the presence of the Lord. It don't matter where you're at in life if you can get in the presence of the Lord. It don't matter what you're lacking and what your neighbor has if you can get in the presence of the Lord. But here's the trick, brother. I can't get you in the presence of the Lord. You got to get in the rivers yourself. I can tell you that the waters are good and I can tell you I've swam in them before and I've rejoiced in them before but you brother have to jump in yourself I can't even push you in these waters amen I can show you how to do the backstroke the butterfly I can show you the benefits of getting in here but you have to get in it yourself and let me tell you something let me tell you something there's nothing you don't have. There's nothing you can't do. There's no reason that you can't enjoy the presence of the Lord where you're at right now in life. Amen. So many of us think if we just get that, if we just get there, if we can just have what he has, the devil is a liar. Jesus died on the cross that whosoever, whosoever, shall believe in his heart and confess with his mouth he will give access back to the father access to his presence if you walk up out of this church sour faced there's something wrong with that if you walk in this place and you don't experience the tangible presence of the Lord it's not the worship team's fault it's not the preacher's fault it's not the deacon's fault it's not the church's fault amen Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they should be filled. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to walk out of this place not filled with the presence of God. With what I do, I have to get filled with His presence. Amen? You would see Pastor Zachariah acting real out of character a whole lot if I didn't get up in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I'm telling you, the presence of the Lord, it's, it's special. It's powerful. It's unique. Man, it's so powerful. When I first came in the home and I experienced it for the first time, I thought they were slipping X pills in my drinks. That's how powerful the presence of the Lord is. Because I didn't know what, how to compare it to. I didn't know what to compare it to when I first came in the home. All I knew was drugs. That's all I knew. Yeah, I used to be a drug addict. I used to be a drug addict. And then God changed me. God saved me. God delivered me and he filled me with his Holy Ghost and he gave me a passion for his presence and he gave me a knowledge of his word and he called me and he redeemed me amen and I've answered that call but the presence is so powerful it's so powerful you could have the worst day ever you could have the worst day ever the most un unimaginable things happen to you during your day but you get in the presence of the Lord and you can look back and say, I see the good in it. I see why God took me through it. I see why it happened to me. That's the power that the presence of the Lord has. 
And I believe there's a lot of people in this room that we are missing something very special because we're not experiencing the presence of the Lord like we should be. And now we're in lack. Now we're in lack. We're missing it. We're missing it. Amen? It don't come from a gift. It don't come from experience. It don't come from position. It comes from the presence of the Lord, brother. It comes from the presence of the Lord. I'm telling you. In Psalm 1611, let me read this real quick. I was here a second ago. I should have just read it. Psalm 1611. The Word of God says, You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Come on, somebody. And listen, some of you in here, you're sitting here, and you're like, man, what is this dude talking about? This dude's up here just running off the mouth talking about the presence of the Lord and powerful. But, but, there's some of you in here that you have experienced the presence of the Lord and it's making you want to shout hallelujah. And it's making you want to shout amen, preacher. And it's making you want to shout glory. Because you know what I'm talking about. You've experienced the presence of the Lord. You know the power that the presence of the Lord has in the believer's life. Well, that's not the way I worship. Boy, let the presence of the Lord get up on you one good time. Huh? Tell me how you worship. You want to shout hallelujah. You want to shout praise to God. You want to jump around. I'm telling you, let the anointing of God get on you one good time. Amen? There's no telling what you do. Looking at the people in here going shabba-baba thinking they're crazy. Let the anointing of God get on you. And you're going to be classified in that same group. Amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's the presence of the Lord, man. It's the presence of the Lord. And if you're not passionate about pursuing his presence, then somewhere you've, you've got distracted. You've got distracted in your life somewhere. Amen. And sometimes, and I, you know how I know this? Because I've done it. Because I've done it. That's how I know this. Sometimes there's things in our life that God's not okay with, right? And so it keeps us from entering in and enjoying his presence. And instead of going back and addressing those issues, we get busy doing something. Because we don't want to face and confront the true problems that we're dealing with, that we have. So we try to get busy. And for me, you know what I got busy doing? I got busy doing ministry. So instead of coming back and addressing and confronting the problems that I had that kept me from entering the presence of the Lord, because the presence of the Lord is life. The presence of the Lord is joy. It's power. It's provision. It's deliverance. It's miracles. The presence of the Lord, that's, that's, that's the benefit of being a believer. And instead of going back and confronting that and dealing with it, I got busy doing something. So I started trying to find my worth in what I did for God. 
and find my worth in, in preaching and find my worth in pastoring and find my worth in, in getting busy, doing the home and directing the home. When the reality is all those things one day are going to be wiped away. They're all going to be vehemently burnt up, as the word says. All those things. And I'm going to be facing the Lord and he's going to say, what did you do? Well, I did this and I did that. It reminds me of those people. Depart from me. I never knew you. Amen. You know what a dry drunk is? Preacher. Y'all know what a dry drunk is? Some of y'all said, yeah. In the presence is fullness of joy. A dry drunk is this. It's somebody who's gone so long in their addiction to alcohol, alcoholism, that guess what? They're not happy sober. And because they've been so long that way, they're not even happy drunk no more either. Do you know what a Christian is without the presence of the Lord? That Christian's a dry drunk. Because that Christian is not happy in the world and is not happy in the church either. Amen? Do you hear me? Do you hear me? It's the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. All this other stuff is cool. We can put banners up and we can talk about it and we can get real uh, theological. You know, I can break down some doctrine with you. You know, I can get deep into the scriptures, you know, uh, uh, analytic, in an analytical way, scripture by scripture, you know, exegetically. Whatever you want to do, we can get it. We can, we can go there. But if you don't come to know God in an intimate, personal way and experience the presence, there's only so much that religion can do for you. Amen. There's only so much religion can do for you. I sat in church for years, brother. I sat in church for years. On Wednesday nights, I would be there with my parents. Sunday mornings, I was there. I went to the wellness program. They made me wear some little dorky red little vest thing. Put badges all over it. Memorize scriptures. All that stuff. Right? I sat in church for probably 15, 16 years. And I never knew Jesus. I never knew Jesus. I never knew Jesus. That's why sometimes when people come in the home and they grew up in church, they're like, whoa, what is this? You know, what is this? This isn't church. This ain't church. Amen. This is Christianity. You see, there's a doctrine that's stuck in America. It's called churchanity. Churchanity. Filling a chair, filling a pew, thinking that in some strange way that this uh, is, you know, marks off your checkbox and your Christian to-do list, which in turns gets you access to heaven. That's crazy. But it's the same thing. You don't want to go back to the real issue, right? You see, Christianity is a personal thing, and you got to go through a person to get to God. Amen. You can't work your way into heaven. You can't check off a to-do list to get in heaven. And guess what? You can't even have a really good relationship with a pastor and get into heaven. Huh? Hello. Oh, but I was I was with Pastor Zachariah. I, man, I was at his back. I was... 
Well, it's not about Pastor Zachariah. It's about Jesus. Amen. And it's a very fine line, man. And, and, and deep off in ministry, you can miss it. You can miss it. Because in some weird way, we, we begin to drift off away from our first love. We begin to drift off away from experiencing His presence. And we get busy in ministry. Right? And because we never, we never express or we never, you know, say, hey, I am off. Right? We don't deal with it. Does that make sense? Denial. It's not just a river over there in Egypt or wherever. It's a real problem. Denial. Amen? Not D-A space N-I-L-E. Denial. But denial. When you really have a problem, but you deny that you have the problem. And you can't, listen, you can't ever fix the problem until you first admit you have a problem. Amen. How are you supposed to come to a solution when you first don't admit you have a problem? Amen. It's like that, you know, that one guy that comes in the home every so often. I'm not like y'all. I got a college degree. You know, I never really was a drug addict. I don't have problems. I just, you know, wanted to come here. <laughs> that means you need to home more than these drug addicts do. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, we're all here because we ain't all there. Amen. Amen. I've been around a, a few times. Amen. But you gotta address the problem. You gotta, you gotta admit you have a problem. Amen. And you don't have to shout it from the rooftop. Everybody, I ran away from God. I am so far from God. I'm so far deep in sin. Right? But you need to get real with yourself and you need to get real with God. And tonight when this altar is open, you need to come to this altar. Ain't nobody got to know everything you're going through. Amen? The Bible says, confess your sins to God and He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from unrighteousness. And yes, the Bible does say, confess your sins to one another so you may be healed. Amen? Some of you, if you're dealing with a sin that you can't find deliverance, you need to go to your leader. You need to go to your pastor. And you need to confess. And then you need to invite accountability into your life. Amen? You need to invite accountability into your life. Accountability, you know, it may be humbling, but it'll save your soul. It will save your soul. Do you hear me? It will save your soul. But I like it. The Apostle Paul, he's saying, listen, it don't matter where you're at. It don't matter where you're at. It don't matter what you're going through. It don't matter what you're going through. You can find contentment. I was telling somebody this other day, listen, I said, hey, if you're not content where you're at right now, you're never going to be content. You're always going to be chasing the wind, chasing the next thing, chasing the next woman, chasing the next high, chasing the next career, chasing the next dollar sign, chasing, 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 chasing. Amen. When the Apostle Paul said, listen, none of that matters. I, I can be content right here. And I hate, I hate 
to see people get discontent in ministry and they think leaving the ministry is the answer. That's not the answer. The leaving the church is the answer. That's not the answer. That's crazy. Well, I've lost my passion. So you quit the ministry? So you quit God? So you quit the church? That's like saying a car is empty. It's run out of gas. So now, now we're going to take the keys out of it and never use it again. What? It's out of gas. Nah, we ain't using that car no more. That's crazy, ain't it? You said that's crazy. Leave it on the side of the road. Get your rims and tires jacked. Amen? But that's what we do. We, we think... Somewhere along the way, we, 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 we lost our passion for God's presence. And we lost our passion for lost souls. And so we say, maybe, maybe going to chase self is the answer. Maybe going to live for self is the answer. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's why God, that's why God keeps us in those trials sometimes. You know Jonah? I think God should have left Jonah in that fish a little longer. Huh? I think it should have left him that fish longer. Because if you read the story, Jonah goes and preaches to a people. The people get a second chance. And Jonah, who just got a second chance, gets mad that God gave other people a second chance. You know what that shows me? That Jonah got out the big fish, but he never got outside of self. Amen? He got out the trial. You see, God, God isn't God isn't concerned. God isn't concerned with getting you out of your trial in a hurry. That's that's God's not concerned with that. God's concerned with, with what He's doing in you while you're in your trial. How He's developing your character, how He's sculpting you, how He's molding you while you're in your problem, while you're in your trial, while you're in the hardship. Amen. So many people want deliverance from the trial. And the reality is God wants to bring deliverance in the trial. He wants you to stay in the trial and be so consumed with His presence that the trial doesn't affect you. And you can keep pushing forward. I love Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. You know the story of the three men? They come and they, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebi, King Little Nebi, Little Debbie. He comes to these men and he says, Hey, I heard you three men refuse to bow down and worship the golden statue of me. And of course, you all know the story. These three men, they refuse to bow down to the golden statue. Right? And old King Nebi said, Well, what? You just going to die? And their response was so powerful. They said, Listen, if God does deliver us, praise the Lord. We're not worshiping your golden image. We're not bound down to the ways of the world. And then they went even further and they said, guess what? Even if God don't deliver us, we're still not bound down to the image. We're still not giving in. And so the question for you tonight is that thing you've been praying to God for, the deliverance, the miracle, the provision, the relationship, what if God doesn't do it? Are you done with God? Are you done with God? What if God don't do it? These three men, that's, that was their response. That was their commitment. 
They said, hey, I ain't worried about all that. God is faithful. All things work out for the good of those that love God and are called according to His purpose. And if you don't take me out this trial right now, there's a reason I'm still here. Amen? If you don't do it with a quickness, there's a reason He was slow to do it. Do you believe that? That's where faith becomes real. Amen? You don't just go along with the flow, go along with the day. I believe. I believe. No, it's when something really hits you. When you really go through it. See, it's easy to look at somebody else's life and say, Oh, trust in God, sister. You just got to have faith, sister. Yeah, that man don't want nothing to do. Just have faith. God's going to do it. But then when you get in a trial... And you trying now you trying to man I gotta find a way to do it. I gotta make it happen. I gotta I got what was all that trusting in the Lord? I thought you I thought you were a man of faith. You was telling us to trust in the Lord. To have faith, to believe. Huh? That's why last Sunday I was telling everybody, I don't believe that a man rose from the dead is the best witness we have of Christianity. I don't believe that's it. That's cool. But you know what I think is the best witness of a Christian Christian? Christianity, someone who is going through an extreme trial and is still singing praises and is still trusting in the Lord. I mean, I may not get what I want, but I, God is my Savior. God is my Lord. I trust Him and I believe in Him. He is faithful. Everything is for my good. Amen? Somebody who walks the walk and talks the talk. Amen? So next time you go through something, think about that think about that it's okay to get up in the church and it's okay to do the proverbs in the morning right that's cool but when you're going through something when you're really going through something you need to speak that stuff like when you were on the mountain when you were on the mountain and you were speaking glory to God God is faithful God's got me you need to be singing that same tune when you're in the valley when stuff don't make sense when it gets hard when you got the trials you got the hardship but you know the only way that you're going to be able to do that is by his presence it's by his presence amen there's something to this presence thing I promise you there's something to it Jesus came and he died on the cross so we could have access to it amen so many of us just want to, oh, I'll just wait till I get to heaven. Well, if you don't want God now, why would you want him later? Huh? Because that's what hell is. Hell is the absence of the Lord. Oh, how would a loving God send? Well, he would send you to, if you don't want God now, why are you going to want him later? Huh? Hello. He comes and he gives us free will. Amen. God is a loving God. He's also a just God. But God wants to be loved. Amen. God wants to be loved. Worship team, you can come up. I told you I was going to be brief tonight. God wants to be loved. Amen. It's like when you're in a relationship 
I don't know if some of you have ever been in an appropriate relationship. It's like when you're in a relationship and you're with the person, you don't want to have to constantly force that person to love you. Right? That's not love. That's that fixed marriage. With your father-in-law meets you by the river with a shotgun. Amen? You see, you see that, that's, not, that's not how God does this. God doesn't put a shotgun to us and say, love me, child. Right? God opens up himself to us. As the scripture revelation says, what he stands at the door and he knocks. He stands at the door and he knocks. He knocks. He don't kick the door in. He's not like the enemy. The enemy will try and pick lock his way in. You'll catch that later. The enemy try and sneaks his way in. Amen. The Bible says Jesus stands at the door and he knocks on the door of your heart. And I don't know about you. But I don't want to be a part of this thing and not experience how it's meant to be experienced, how it's meant to be lived. Amen. And I definitely one day don't want to get to my Lord and have a list of all the stuff that I did and him say, okay, child, but did you know me? Did I know you? Right? You know, I was listening to a preacher preach about Martha and Mary. And I never saw it like this. Right? But Martha and Mary were in the house. And what did Martha do? Martha went and got Jesus. Oh, come in. And, and Jesus was in the house. And, and Martha was running around. The Bible says she was distracted with many things. But what's weird is what Martha was doing was needed. What she was doing was needed. She was, she was needing to prepare the food, get the plates out, right? Uh, get, get, get Jesus' couch fluffed and get his blankets all folded and dried and, and, and clean, clean the dishes and hang, you know, clean the drapes and get the house ready for Jesus to come and get it prepared and make Jesus comfortable. That's what she was doing. She was, she was serving Jesus. She was ministering Jesus. She was, she was preparing the house. She was preparing the place, Right? But in the midst of this, what did Martha do? Martha noticed her sister Mary as she was doing all these things for Jesus. She noticed her sister Mary on the floor and her sister Mary was on the floor and all she was doing was just spending intimate time with Jesus. She was just worshiping Jesus. And so Martha got so upset to the point she said, Hey, Jesus, say, Jesus, I'm over here doing all this and Martha just sitting right there spending time with you. Jesus, make her get up and help. Make her get up and work, Jesus. Make her get up and serve, Jesus. What did Jesus say? What was his response? He said, Martha, Martha, you're distracted with many things. That's what he'd say to us right now, some of us right now. You're distracted with many things. But Mary chose the one thing that won't be taken away from her. And what I learned is Martha was ministering to the man Jesus. Mary was ministering 
to the God Jesus. And sometimes we get so distracted ministering to people. We get so distracted taking care, taking care of people, taking care of men, taking care of women. We get so distracted doing all this for, for the people. And so when it's time to stop everything and just minister to the God, we're, we're distracted. We're distracted because think about it. What do we do in the church? We minister to people. We help people. We help people along. We teach, right? We help people overcome their struggles. We give counsel, right? We help, you know, do these. We minister to people, the men, the women, the, the man side, the human side, humanity. We minister. We do all this. But I can tell you when we come into this place on Sunday evenings and we come into this place on Tuesday evenings and when we're over there and being with her on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and for the home every single day you wake up, it's about the God. It's about the God Jesus. It's about to be, stop being distracted with everything else and worshiping the Lord, choosing the one thing that cannot be taken away from us. <laughs> Knowing God. Spending time with the Lord. Listen, Martha, we have to help people. That's what we do. That's what God's called us to do. But if we don't effectively minister to God, we're going to be no good ministering to people. As you stand to your feet. Do you believe that?